0: Bit sad today, really, because it's the last week of our series looking at, um, I suppose, the values of the church, Lowestoft Community Church, a family of Christ followers who, and we've been going through a whole long list, um, finishing up this morning with the word hospitality. Now, um, I'll let you into a little secret. I love the one anothering verses that are sprinkled throughout the New Testament, you know, teach one another. Love one another, admonish one another, greet one another with a holy kiss. I've got a lot I could say about that, but probably not this morning. So I love these one another verses. And when I was asked if I'd preach on hospitality, I jumped straight to 1 Peter chapter 4. And verse 9, if we could have the next slide, Sarah. That's verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. But if you've got a Bible and you want to turn to, um, to, to 1 Peter chapter 4, we'll just read it in a little bit of context, um, which might help. It says this, starting to read in verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of things. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks... As one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. So I'm going to be slightly unconventional because you're supposed to have three points when you preach, aren't you? And if you're a really, really good preacher, you can sometimes be allowed seven points. But heck, I'm going for 10. It's going to be rapid fire. We're going to whip through them. Don't look stressed, Toby. I mean, let's face it, this morning, the difference between a sausage roll and a roll with a sausage in was was enough for you to cope with. It's going to be okay. Rapid fire. But this is what I've got out of those few verses. The first point is that hospitality is urgent. There's an urgent need for hospitality. In verse 7... Peter, in in writing his first letter to a church that's under pressure, really, in the context of some practical teaching about living life in a world that's complicated. Sounds like we could do with one Peter, doesn't it? He gives a blunt, but really vital perspective on living life. He says the end of all things is near. That's a, that's a frequent message um, of the Bible writers, that, that the Jesus who died and was buried and raised again and ascended into heaven is going to return one day soon. And that's going to be a day of judgment and renewal. It's judgment against the sin of those people who stand in opposition to him as Lord and Saviour. And it's renewal because he's going to restore and redeem a fallen creation, the fallen creation that we inhabit. It's an urgent reality that the coming of Jesus is soon and therefore our response is to be urgent. So the first thing we've got to notice is that one of Peter's priorities for us living in the end days is that we're to live lives of love To one another expressed in hospitality. He's saying that's a priority, guys. So he says in verse 7, that the end of all things is near. And he says, be alert and sober minded that you pray above all. Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. In verse 7, we've got to get our heads straight. Literally, we're to have sober minds rather than befuddled brains that appear drunk. So, so we think rightly about God and about ourselves and about the world. And that leads us to God in prayer. And then in verse 8, it talks about a change in our hearts. We're to love one another sincerely. And so with our heads straight in sober mindedness and our hearts turned towards one another in love. Our hands are to be put to use in, 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 in God's service as we offer hospitality to one another in verse 9. So we're going to be busy in these end days, I'm sure, with a whole load of things as we await Jesus to return. There's a lot of priorities, I'm sure. But in the context of this pra- this passage, we're to practice hospitality. It's an urgent need for the church. So it ought to be a priority for us to take hospitality seriously and to press into it. So Peter tells us hospitality is urgent, but he also tells us that it's love in action. We often often use the language of the Bible when we talk about our times together. We might talk about community. We might talk about fellowship. We might even talk about the love we have for one another. That's probably more the women because most men struggle to say things like that, or I do anyway. But that can feel a bit abstract, can't it? What does that really mean? What does that really look like? Well, well, Peter talks about a heart principle for us towards one another, that we should love one another deeply. But that finds a real practical, tangible, outworking, a physical expression when he turns to verse 9 and says that we're to have hospitality to one another. That's how we show our love in a practical way. And he's only talking about what Jesus did. God's love towards us. God's love towards us never remained a funny feeling inside him, did it? God's love for us was outworked in such a practical way, kind of ultimately on the cross. He demonstrated his love. And that's what hospitality is doing for us. So hospitality is um, urgent. It's love in action. But it's also essential. Hospitality is making people feel at home in a place that isn't their home. And that's a need for every one of us. If we've ever really thought about, if we've ever truly reckoned with living in this world, this side of Jesus coming again, we'll understand that. In your own time, you can read um, 1 Peter chapter 2 from verse 11, where Peter calls his readers foreigners. He calls all of us foreigners, exiles, and he tells us to live among the pagans. And he tells us how to live for the Lord's sake under human authority. He expects that we are never going to be truly at home in the world as it is now. Does that make sense? We're foreigners living in this world. So it's no surprise then that we uh, fellow exiles must make one another feel at home together as a body. In the church, hospitality is far more than cooking each other a meal or sharing refreshments with one another. It's not just about having people in your home. It's about having people in your life Do any of you know anything about those, uh, those, early, um, those early hermits in the, in, in, in the sort of first few centuries that lived in the desert, sometimes on the top of a salt pillar, and they'd let down a basket for people to put food in and then bring it back up. And they spent their whole days praying and meditating. If you, you, some of you will have come across them. Well, well, one of the early church fathers said of those hermits, if we live in solitude... Whose feet are we going to wash? And that's a real challenge for us because we live in a really individualistic society. We keep ourselves to ourselves. We often don't want to get tangled up in messy relationships that happen with other Christians in the church. But the message of 1 Peter, the message of the New Testament, is that we don't stay Christian for very long on our own. We need one another. We need to share our lives with one another. We need one another to spur each other on and to keep going. The end of all things is near. And in our hospitality, we're at home in a place that isn't our own. And we need to help one another keep going until the end. Our shared hospitality now helps us towards that future day when we are going to be at home in the truest sense of the word. Now, that might sound a bit mystical. A bit out of reach for you. A bit highfalutin. So let's get practical. One of the ways that we can deal with that is to join a community group. To be in running partners, because that's where we try. That's they're the things that we try to do in those groups of uh, people meeting regularly, doing life together, eating together, sharing their highs and lows together, hearing the word of God together, working out what it means uh, for you in your life together, praying together. That's just one outworking of hospitality. If you're not in a community group, you're missing out on one anothering. So, fourthly, and I had to, because we don't use this word virtue very much, do we, in, in um, 2022. Hospitality is a virtue. So, I, because I'm not very bright, looked up what it meant. It's an essential quality of being a Christian. So, so hospitality is an essential quality of being a Christian. Offer hospitality to one another. Peter writes, It's an instruction that you find elsewhere in the New Testament from Paul, from John, from the writer of the Hebrews. Guys, this isn't a fringe hobby for a few extroverts out there. If you're an extrovert, just raise your hand. Yes, and most of you are introverts. Don't think this is just for a few extroverts. This is for all of us. Hospitality is an aspect of discipleship for the whole people of God. If you look at the life and the teaching of Jesus, you'll see it's a constant message in the New Testament. Because Jesus was always feeding people, eating with people, telling people parables about feasts. When people bec- um, where people become at home in a place that isn't their own home. That's the point. Some of his strongest rebukes of people were where they'd failed to show hospitality when they should have done. Um, In Matthew 25, you can read about the parable of the sheep and the goats. It's about a division between people who are obedient to Jesus and those who aren't. So the issue is, do you show hospitality to people who have the least? Do you feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, give clothes to those without, visit those in prison? Jesus says, "What you do for His people with the least, you do for Him. So, what you don't do for people with the least, you don't do for Him. The the um, the obedient come into an inheritance in the kingdom. The disobedient, well, they face a destiny with judgment. Jesus takes hospitality really seriously." For him, it's an essential Christian virtue. This is really important, not just in giving it, but also in receiving it. Some people can be a bit funny sometimes about receiving hospitality, a bit kind of, ooh. it's really important just in the same way that we can give it, that we receive it. And then fifth, um, hospitality is costly. When he says, offer hospitality without grumbling, it suggests that Peter knew it was going to be hard work, uh, that we might feel tired and worn out by offering hospitality. We might even feel the people we're offering hospitality to are not particularly grateful for it sometimes. I've been a Christian a long time, and I've made some discoveries that aren't in the Bible. And one of them, church... And I count myself in this. Don't think I'm being aloof. We're like plumbing. Some of us are radiators. We give warmth. Others of us are like drains. We suck the life. I'll talk to you afterwards about it if you don't believe me, but I bet you all do. Um, And you know what? We sin when we grumble about giving hospitality to people who we find draining. We equally sin when we consider ourselves virtuous because we only offer hospitality to people who we warm to, generally who are like us. Neither extreme is godly. Like all service, like all love, hospitality will be costly and we mustn't grumble. There are implications to it, to offering hospitality. Hospitality can be costly financially. It takes money to share food with people. Hospitality it's costly in our time as we open our homes to one another. You know the story of the Good Samaritan in, in, in Luke 10? He takes time to stop for someone in trouble who has nothing in common with him. He uses his first aid kit on this guy in need. He walks with him to to an inn so that the guy can ride on a donkey because he's so beaten up. He pays his medical bills up front. He agrees to come back and pay any shortfall. He's offering a blank cheque. His hospitality was costly. It's costly in time and money to show hospitality like that, especially to people who are different from us. But Jesus says, go and do likewise. Um, I don't think he's in here now, but Ben Parrish, when he knew I was preaching about this a few weeks ago, sent me a, a link to a tweet. That's what you call them, isn't it? I'm not into all of that, but anyway, this is really good. You want to pin your lug holes back to this. It's very short. Christian hospitality isn't a dinner party with people like you. It's being prepared to be inconvenienced and spending time with people not like you. I'm going to break new ground this morning, and I'm going to quote some Greek to you, because this is really good as well. The New Testament word for hospitality is a mashup between two words. Uh, and the word is philozenia. Do you know what that means? It's a mashup between love and stranger. So hospitality has its literal origin in us having love for Strangers or love for outsiders. So hospitality is costly. We're halfway there. I'll keep going. Hospitality is about real life. Now, this is really important because a lie has crept into our culture. that hospitality is something about. Sorry, I'm coming apart at the seams. It's something about. um, Elaborate and impressive occasions. Now. Of course, there's nothing wrong with that occasionally. I want to get it out there right now. Um, no, I've not got my diary with me. I gave it to Claire. You can see Claire afterwards if you want to take us out to a really fancy restaurant. Michelin stars are appreciated. I love it. And that's got nothing to do with hospitality. At all. Real hospitality long term is about real life together. So to do hospitality well, you don't need to be Nigella Lawson. You don't need the very best ingredients. You don't need to be a great cook. Do you know what? It's not even about being a great host. There's this, this um, Christian writer called Andrew Bond. Now, I love this. He He has written about the dishwasher test. If he's invited to someone's home after dinner, he immediately starts stacking the dishwasher or, or, or doing the washing up. If he's told to stop, he knows he's being treated like a guest. But if he's allowed to get out the marigolds or stack the dishwasher, he knows he's being treated like a real friend, like a member of the family. Which is more hospitable? Just have a think about it. Um, the, the evangelist um, Rico Tice Uh, also shared a little story about how he invited someone to stay in his home when it was in utter chaos. All hells breaking out. You can imagine what it's like, those of you that got teenage children. It was mayhem. And do you know what the guy said to him? I didn't know you could do hospitality so badly. Well, perhaps in a strange way, what he was offering have more to do with hospitality than sometimes we think, because it's about strangers becoming friends, even family. It's not about impressing one another, but rather just doing real life together. And I would suggest he was doing real life together. Come around, Carl, it's going to be mayhem. Yeah, that makes sense. Seventhly, uh, sevenly. that's a new word <laughs> we invented. Seventhly, hospitality It's for far more than just your home. So offer hospitality to one another assumes that people are meeting in some sort of shared space. But that doesn't need to be your home. There are lots of circumstances why it's difficult for lots of people to host others in their own home. And that's fine. But corporately, together, we still have a responsibility to play a part in offering hospitality in the shared spaces that we have as a church not least of all in this building here. That's a coincidence, isn't it? We're sharing, we've got to get into this in a bit more detail. We're sharing sausages in a roll. That's a bread roll. That's not a sausage meat wrapped in pastry. <laughs> Is that okay, <laughs> Yeah, that's okay, good. It's great, isn't it? And even ice creams, I believe, afterwards. That's, that's our, in our shared space together, being hospitable. Countless numbers of you, are involved in, in greeting people and welcoming them into the building, serving refreshments, sorting out the car park, um, leading small groups in the week, catering for events. These are all ways in which we're hospitable in our shared lives together in the church, both here on site and elsewhere in the week. If you're not able to be hospitable in your home, that's cool, but you can be hospitable when we're together. Does that make sense? And then eighth, um being hospitable is about making disciples. So offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve one another as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the word of God. If anyone serves, they should do so in the strength that God provides. But Peter is describing every one of us serving each other for the good of each other, for the building up of his people, the church, into maturity. I don't think it's a coincidence that this call to hospitality leads on into a description of each of us using our different gifts. Faithful and fruitful ministry... And disciple-making take place in the context of hospitality. Discipleship can be taught, but it's also caught as we spend time together, often as we share life with one another. So the Bible doesn't offer any choice, really, other than a partnership, an emphasis on teaching the word of God, and of practicing sharing our lives with one another as we're hospitable. In John 3, verse 8, there's an instruction to the church about some brothers and sisters who were contending for the faith in a pagan culture. Much like Lowestoft, I expect. John writes, we ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Christian hospitality is not about entertainment. or not solely about entertainment. It's also about making disciples. It's about sharing our lives and opening our hearts to one another. It's about talking um, about the life of Christ together and where the word of God dwells amongst us richly. And there's an evangelistic angle to it as well. Um, this isn't very radical, but um, I read it, so I'll share it with you. Sam Chan says this. Go to their things. Go to the kids' party, the football club, the drink after work when you're invited. When you go to their things, they'll come to our things. Hospitality is part of a mutual relationship. That's kind of obvious, isn't it? Now, uh, my last two points—yeah, nine and ten—are kind of a conclusion. So we're we're landing. 9. Hospitality is God's work. Nothing I've said is about working harder in our own strength as we demonstrate our love for one another in hospitality, in making people feel at home when they're not at home. If we assume that hospitality is an an aspect of service, in verse 11, it's enabled by God's strength. And it results in God's praise. There's no room for taking pride in ourselves in being hospitable people. There's no room for us to feel burdened by the call on us to be hospitable to one another. Yes, it may be hard work, but it's in God's power in us that helps us to live in this way. So how can we do the work of making strangers into friends Of helping people feel at home in a place that isn't their own. Well it's spiritual work. It's a work of the spirit in us and among us. Hospitality is God's work. But lastly it's also God's goal. If hospitality is making people at home in a place that isn't their own. That's the essence of God's work. Right now in the world for our sake isn't it. Peter reminds us. As we've already said, that the the end of all things is near. We look forward to a heavenly city. We look forward to a new Jerusalem coming as a place for us exiles to be at home at last. We'll be delighted to live in eternity in the presence of God himself dwelling among us, among his people. God himself is going to be with us. That's God's hospitality to us. His goal for us is that we're. It, it, sorry, his, his goal for us is that we would know that for ourselves to dwell with him. Gathered as his people, delighting in his presence as we make our home with him. And he makes his home with us. So our hospitality to one another now is just a foretaste of life in the kingdom that God is breaking in with. It helps us to look forward to that day. So, shall we pray? Oh, Can you still hear me? I've no idea what's going on. Let's pray. Do you want to stand and perhaps a band on a back. Right. I'll have that one. Can I give you that one? I've done something to it. Yeah, let's pray. Father of all, we want to give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your son, you brought us home, you, dying and living, you declared your love and gave us grace and opened the gate of glory for us. We pray that you would keep us firm in the hope that you've set before us. We pray that you would enable us to express the love that you cause us to ha- call us to have for each other by being a people who are hospitable, who make one another feel at home in a place that isn't our home. Do that within us, I pray, that you would cause us to see the urgency of it, that we would express our love for one another in being a people who are always looking out, for one another, for the foreigner, the stranger, the exile. We pray that you would do that in us by your spirit, Lord. Amen.